0: Hey there, this is Andy.
1: And this is Chelsea. Welcome to Hugging and Learning, the podcast on which we re-watch very special episodes of television from the past to see what, if anything, they have to teach us today.
0: Today we are watching our very first episode of Doogie Howser, M.D.
1: Hooray! And this
0: one's called, But What About White Privileged People, Though? <laughs>
1: I mean
0: <laughs> it's actually called There's a Riot Going On. It's season four, episode one.
1: Yeah, it's our season season four opener.
0: Yeah, the very last season of the show. September twenty-third, nineteen ninety-two was the original air date, and it was written by Nick Harding. Whoa! Yay! We do for Nick Harding, we have kind of a crappier one. He wrote a episode of a show called Jack and Jill which was a WB TV drama named after two of the six main characters, each with a name rather suggesting the other gender. Jacqueline Jack Bennett and oh. David Jill Jalevsky, but fuck that. <laughs> uh, Stephen Botchko, who was one of the co-creators uh, with David Kelly on this, uh, was also a co-creator on a TV series called Riding with Death, mm-hmm. which is fine, but... Here is the here's the IMDb description for it. Dimwitted, meaty guy foils <laughs> criminals by turning invisible. What? Yeah. Dimwitted, meaty guy foils criminals by turning invisible. Okay. It was a simpler time back then in the, I guess this was in the 70s.
1: When you look up David Kelly, TV legend, mm. make sure you don't end up looking up David Kelly, weapons expert. Like I did. He went to David Kelly. There was another David <laughs> so Kelly.
0: IMDB has David. Tell us a little bit about <laughs> David Kelly, weapons expert, Chelsea. He was a
1: Welsh scientist and authority uh-huh. on biological warfare oh. employed by the British Ministry of Defense. Mm-hmm. And he was a weapons inspector with the United Nations Special Commission in Iraq. But then he came to public attention in July 2003 when an unauthorized discussion he had off the record with the BBC about the UK government's dossier on weapons of mass destruction in Iraq was cited and led to a major controversy. And he had to go to court and all he became known as a source and it was a whole thing. Yeah,
0: and, and then, then he, he was in court one day and he seemed really distracted and he could have sworn he saw a dancing baby off to one side.
1: Yeah. Ally McBeal real reference. McBeal. Al McBeal. Yeah. Uh, so we're talking about David E. Kelly. Mm-hmm. Right. Television guru who created, in addition to Ally McBeal and this show, such things as... Lake Placid. Big Little Hope. Boston Legal. Picket Fences. Boston Public. Mm-hmm. The Practice. Chicago Hope. Um, Harry's Law.
0: Uh, oh, Harry's Law.
1: A bunch of other things. A show just called The Law Firm. <laughs> um, <laughs> Legally mad. A lot of legal shows.
0: Hey, David Kelly, you overslept for that pitch you had. I had a pitch today. Uh, oh, yeah, it's for that show. Uh, the La- Law Lawn Firm. Firm. <laughs> yeah. Do it. We're
1: going to green light that. Great. Huh. Um, he's also married to Michelle Pfeiffer since 1993.
0: I heard a rumor about David E. Kelly that he writes all of his notes and scripts freehand on a legal pad oh and God. makes his assistants type them up for him. <sighs> that's not that's which makes bad. me want to die on the inside. <laughs> Just thinking
1: about having anything that makes me want to die.
0: So, uh, before we get into this episode, it is time as for always for our snack time hour. It is. And we have
1: a new dedication
0: I will remember Jeff Noble. <laughs> With Jeff Noble, remember me, he sent us a snack, (laughs) and we paid him back (laughs) by mentioning him regularly. Wow! Thanks, everybody. I feel real good about that. Roll the credits.
1: Amazing.
0: So next time, what are we watching, Chelsea?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, thank you so much for uh, Jeff Noble, previous occupant of this slot. And thank you now and going forward to friend of the pod, Mr. Levi Petrie. So welcome to the first ever Levi Petrie Memorial Snack Time Hour, except he's still alive. Mm -hmm. He has sent us... A snack from Louisiana, my home <gasps> state.
0: What? This is comes from just a... Is it just a mess of
1: crawdads? I wish it were. Is work. it a mess of craw somethings? You can see it in my hand. Is it in, a mess of craws? These are called tutti... This is like a tutti fruity flavor of popcorn. Mm. And it comes from a store called Mr. Clint's in Welsh, Louisiana. Established... Oh, it's hard to read. 2018. So, Mr. Clint's relatively
0: recently <laughs> established. Um, Mr. Clint's old time <laughs> popcornery. I've been doing this since last November.
1: Um, but thank you for the snack. These are some sort of looks like candy coated popcorn. Let's dive in. But Here comes the two to the
0: three to
1: the four. Everybody drunk out on the dance floor. Baby girl, and like she go like wore more I like she approved and I ain't even know it's all. Maybe cause she heard that, that I rhyme or core. Or maybe cause she heard that that back out the source. By the mother night and the singing at the score. If not, I gotta move on to the next floor. Here comes the three to the two to the one. Homeboy tripping he know I got the, When they come to pop and we do this for fun, you ain't
0: got one singing, you better
1: It's as though someone like melted life savers o'er some popcorn.
0: It's not what you expect when you see popcorn, even colorful no. popcorn of this kind.
1: Like Fruity pebbles. Uh, popcorn. Yeah. Hard to eat.
0: Off brand fruity pebbles.
1: The different colors do taste differently. They do taste like the lifesaver of that color. Like the purple ones taste grapey. Um, oh, is
0: that it? Maybe I just had too many all at one time.
1: Yeah, I took a couple. I'm
0: not having any more. The
1: red ones are particularly weird.
0: I think I had two red ones and a green one. That didn't that didn't go well.
1: No, the red ones are not the best. Um so what will we grade this?
0: I'm very sorry. i got to give this a D.
1: <laughs> wow. Welcome
0: to the party, Levi. <laughs> Thanks. No, but uh, definitely thank you, and uh, uh, you are an unimpeachable friend of the podcast. You have to admit,
1: visually, they're stunning looking. They do look fun. They are they very look fun fantastic. looking. They look fantastic. I'll you probably know. put the rest of these out at a party and see what happens.
0: And guys, <laughs> Mr. Clint's only been at this for less than a year. <laughs> Maybe you give him some time. He fucking kills it next time. He's like, wait a second. Oh, I've been melting lollipops all over these. Me, Mr. Clint, here in the bayou. Stop giving them to your dog. Chelsea. He loves them. I understand. So, unfortunately, we've taken a downturn. Uh, this this snack is definitely a D. I have to give it a D. I'd give it a D it as didn't well. Me, it didn't make me want to die inside, and it wasn't spicy. So, mm-hmm. you, you get a passing grade. It's no
1: circus peanut. If a circus peanut is an F, yeah. it's not an F.
0: Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's it's a solid D. Thanks, though, Levi, and thanks to anybody who sends us a snack. Yes. We don't uh, promise
1: to like him. We do promise to thank you and give you credit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So thank you once again for joining us in the Levi Petrie uh, time Memorial Hour, except he's still alive. So he's still alive. <laughs> and so are we somehow. So let's <laughs> talk about a goddamn episode of television.
1: Yeah, and this is yeah. going to be a serious one.
0: This is going to be tough. Well, I go back and forth on this episode. Mm-hmm. I feel like I go back and forth between outrage and this sound.
1: I go back and forth between outrage and wait, wait, wait did they intend me to feel outrage? Like, some of the times I feel like my reactions were what the show was trying to make me feel. Yes, that's what I mean. In which case it's successful.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, my outrage over the misguided attempts of this episode and when this episode every now and then lands something good. It all, it is, it is a scattershot approach that is 50-50.
1: Yeah doogie Hauser, md is an american medical drama uh ran for four seasons on abc from 1989 to 1993 97 episodes in total huh. i almost hit that 100 mark can't believe they didn't hit it oh. um the show stars neil patrick harris still very famous Beloved star Neil Patrick of Harris. small and stage screens and some movies he stars in the titular role as a teenage physician who balances the challenges of practicing medicine with everyday problems of teenage life he tries to be accepted both by children his age teenagers and then his professional colleagues and many many episodes also deal with wider social problems. To name a few, AIDS awareness. Sorry,
0: whiter social problems?
1: Nope, whiter social mm. problems, um, including AIDS awareness, homophobia, sexism, gang violence, access to quality medical care.
0: I seem to remember there were at least 20 episodes that were Doogie's about to lose his virginity.
1: Yeah, that's another one. Losing
0: one's virginity is a big topic. A times <laughs> um, they almost lose their virginity, and it's always, it's going to happen this time, Doogie. It didn't happen, didn't happen. this time. we we'll i have to learn something. Yeah at least
1: also sort of um things that are prevalent but not quite as high stakes like aging and body issues and friendship the premise of the show is that doogie hauser is a child genius he earns a perfect score on the sat at age six completes high school in nine weeks at the age of nine graduates from princeton at age 10 and finishes medical school at age 14 and then he becomes the youngest licensed doctor in the country his father's also a doctor and in addition to being a genius and a prodigy, he has idiotic memory, which is like photographic memory, but all of the senses. Mm. So you can remember the sound and smell and everything of, sure. of memories exactly as they happened, which is very rare in children and almost non-existent in adults. Sure. So we join him here in season four. So he's about 18. Um, season yeah.
0: four deals with him moving out and getting his own place with his best friend, Vinny. Yep. Uh, and, you know, becoming an adult, even though he's been a doctor for like three seasons <laughs> Right, now. exactly.
1: So it's 1992. Mm-hmm. Specifically when this episode airs, it's September 1992. Uh, but it's set in late April, early May of 1992, right. this episode. And there are riots happening in LA, and the show is set in LA. Lest you think, what a weird thing for a TV show to tackle. Lord. Every show on the air that was set in L.A. did an L.A. Riots episode in this season, in this 1992 season. Among them, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, A Different World, L.A. Law, In Living Color. Basically, TV execs at the time were like, we can't pretend this was such an enormous thing that happened in the city where these shows are set. It would be more distracting to ignore them and act like they didn't happen and have our characters live in an alternate universe where the L.A. riots didn't happen, yeah. than it would be to just address this on our show.
0: I found an article from the Washington Post from September 20th, 1992, mm-hmm. that talks about this week in, right. like, you know, every every TV show's coming back and all of the first episodes are all dealing with the L.A. riots. Uh, it has a quote here from uh, uh, Doogie Howser executive producer Vic Rausio. Mm-hmm. Rausio, Yep. Uh, with an event of that magnitude, it's hard to ignore it because it gives uh, you something very dramatic for your characters to interact with. Mm-hmm. You know. Well,
1: he also says, I, I have an article from the LA Times from that week. Same guy, Vic uh. Rossio. He says, um, there, was skepticism, there was skepticism by executives and writers, which made the series um, and ABC kind of nervous about tackling this, these riots on a comedy show. Rossio said they felt it was too big an issue for a comedy show to take on. They said it would turn people off because they turned on our show so they can laugh. But once they read the script, they saw the potential. We have some very dramatic things and some very comedic things. Both things happened that day. Any situation like that has to have a level of humor. I also found a quote from the co-executive producer of Fresh Prince, Mm -hmm. uh, Bel-Air, Winifred Hervey Stallworth. Fresh Prince also did a riots episode. And she said... We didn't want to trivialize or editorialize. We tried to take a positive look at the aftermath and inject some humor into the situation. All the characters find they need to feel a responsibility for other people. Maybe someone watching will have the same sort of realization. So
0: I think that, that these this mix of quotes really sums up this episode best because it's definitely some shows I feel like had... Not more of a right, but were more responsible in their approach to discussing the LA riots. I don't think a thing about a kid doctor and his affluent white family might might not have been the best place to like. Hey, let's let's definitely do it for these characters. Yes, what a fun thing for our characters to take on.
1: Well, I don't think I I totally totally understand where you're coming from, but over the five days of the LA riots more than 50 people died and more than 2,000 people were injured. So every hospital in the city would have just been flooded. Completely understand. So I think it was in terms of being like, if you were a doctor in LA on that day, what were you doing? Sure. Whether or not they handled it responsibly is another. If it question. was, it,
0: it's it's a, a matter of whether the episode sticks to just talking about what it's like to be a doctor there, or really goes above board, which it does. And again, mixed results is is my my bottom line. Yeah. Well, the theme, the the unofficial catchphrase of this show is not let's talk around a goddamn episode of television (laughs) right let's uh, Let's let's talk straight through it so this episode opens and it's cold open and we are somewhere Mm -hmm. it's a nebulous uh talking headshot of doogie hauser who is talking to us about that day and how he didn't know history was going to be made on that day because that's not how history works Uh, And then he mentions that, you know, it was just he and his family fucking around in the kitchen.
1: Yeah. So the ordinary world on this day could not be more ordinary. Uh, Doogie's talking to his parents. His dad, as I said, also a doctor. His best friend Vinny is over from next door, talking about this car that he's obsessed uh, with.
0: Nash Rambler. <laughs>
1: the, the back seat folds down into a bed. I don't know, Jules.
0: <laughs> I just know they said Nash Rambler about a fucking hundred times. <laughs> yeah. I was surprised to find out that this show or this car was like from the fifties because I'm like, what a fucking, what a ad buy for Nash Rambler. Oh everywhere. no, that was clear because was talking to the dad about it. It's just they mentioned it so many times. Yeah. that And the mom gets all. Did you guys torn know down.
1: that I drive a motorcycle?
0: Mm, boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's not got anything to do with this. How Awesome I Am does not have anything to do with Doogie Howser and Nash Ramblers.
1: Doogie's not even doing anything interesting in terms of eating. He's just having a sandwich. i like a sandwich. It's so it's so nonchalant. And, and then Vinny they're wants leaving.
0: To, yeah. So Vinny wants to buy a Nash Rambler. His mom gets all horned up remembering that she used to date a guy who uh, had a Nash Rambler. In high school. Nash Rambler, Nash Rambler.
1: Um, Vinny says to Doogie, I'll pick you up at the hospital at 7 and we'll go out to Culver City and take this car for a test. Drive. And
0: he says, don't pull another emergency on me, referring to a time when Doogie had to do a gallbladder surgery <laughs> right. and save somebody's fucking right. life.
1: Oh, Doogie's a surgeon, in yeah. addition. He's not any yes. kind of doctor. He is a surgeon. You know,
0: yeah. hey, don't fucking save a life instead of coming and hanging out with me in the Nash Rambler. <laughs>
1: right. Uh, the credits are nothing, just a synth dream of oh, photos. Whoa, whoa. Just yeah, photos. Then we have
0: Chekhov's <laughs> news report. Nope. Then, uh, <laughs> As they are leaving the uh, TV that that they've left on says that there has been a verdict reached in the Rodney King case. Right,
1: so this is the call to adventure. This TV on the kitchen counter watched by no one. He goes live to Simi Valley Valley, uh, where the jury has reached a verdict. And if you were alive at that time, Mm. you know exactly what day it is now. You know exactly what's about to happen. It's a moment of dramatic irony because you know more than the characters do. Sure. So let's talk a little bit the show gets into it a tiny bit, but just because it's been, you know, several decades now. Yeah. Let's talk about the L.A. riots, not to be confused with the the quote L.A. riots that happened on the Sunset Strip when all the teenagers oh, the were giving a curfew. Yeah, riots? we're getting a curfew. Boy, how
0: quaint. Yeah.
1: Um, they these were actual riots. Yeah. We'll start the timeline on March third, nineteen ninety one. Rodney King is beaten by LAPD officers after he leads them a high-speed chase through Los Angeles County. A man named George Holliday videotapes the beating from his apartment balcony. The video shows King being struck by police batons more than 50 times. Over 20 officers were present at the scene. King suffered 11 fractures and other injuries due to the beating. He is released four days later without being charged for anything. March 15th, so about a week after that, the police sergeant and three officers that were at the scene are indicted by a Los Angeles grand jury in connection with the beating, but the grand jury refuses to indict the 17 officers who stood by the beating and did nothing. Mm. The four white LAPD officers are acquitted of beating King. This is April 29th, 1992, the day that this episode is set on. Yeah. The jury, the trial is moved to Simi Valley. Because they were worried that the jury would be tainted. Um, (laughs) And then the riots start as soon as this verdict is announced. Riots start at the intersection of Florence and Normandy in South Central Los Angeles. A white truck driver named Reginald Denny is pulled from his truck and beaten. Mm -hmm. A news helicopter captures this on videotape. The mayor declares a state of emergency. The governor calls in the National Guard troops. Desk to dawn curfews are enforced. People are looting. People are setting vehicles on fire. As I said, 2,000 people, more than 2,000 people were injured. 50 people were left dead. Rioting destroyed or damaged over 1,000 buildings. Estimated cost over a billion dollars in damages. Nearly 12,000 people were arrested Mm. uh, over the course of five days. Eventually, by May 3rd, on the streets of L.A., there were over 1,100 Marines, 600 Army soldiers, and 6,500 National Guard troops patrolling the streets of Los Angeles. So it was really, it really turned into, like, martial law. Right. So that's what we're dealing with on Doogie Hauser.
0: Yeah, on um, Doogie Hauser M.D., <laughs> kid genius, doctor.
1: Yes. He's so. a doctor,
0: Chelsea, but he's wearing sneakers. But he
1: wants to be just a regular kid guy.
0: Oh boy, oh, boy. We come back on scene one of act one after we we do this mellow shopping jazz introduction. It's like Doogie Howser, M.D., and Quantum Leap's theme song are mm-hmm. brother and sister yep, in my yep, mind. Yep, yep,
1: yep. So we're, now we've crossed the first threshold and we are in the special world of the hospital. But still, the hospital is quiet right now. No one really knows that
0: the bomb is about to drop. Right. In turn, nope, orderly nope. Raymond Alexander is pissed off about the Rodney King verdict and Doogie says, I understand, which... <laughs> and Raymond says, in what universe? Yeah. Uh, Raymond's, all...
1: Raymond's backstory is that he is a former gang member who meets Doogie after taking him hostage during a convenience store robbery in mm-hmm. season one. And then after he finishes his prison sentence, Doogie helps him to get a job at the hospital as an orderly and he later becomes an EMT. There you go. So this is a man well acquainted with gang violence and violence in general. Um, he's from this part of LA that's currently uh, on fire. Sure. When Doogie says, I understand how you feel. He's like, no, no, bro. Nope.
0: Doogie does say... Something uh, Here He says Just because I'm white Doesn't mean I can't Recognize injustice When I see it Which I agree with mm-hmm. And then me In this episode Part ways <laughs> After this It's just n- n- No It's a lot of <laughs> Lingering shots Of white people Going Man, this is kind of a bummer, huh? So I don't
1: like bummers. I don't like
0: I don't like bummers or racism. So we go to Nurse Curly. I don't know what the fuck this lady's name is. No,
1: that's her name is Nurse Spalding. They always call her Curly.
0: Curly mentions that there have been reports of unrest in South Central, and then
1: this is after. I'm sorry. Ray says, if people can't get justice in the courts, they're going to get it in the streets. And he brings up the Watts riots of 1965. He says, you remember the Watts riots? And Doogie's like, no, I don't. You don't either. Because those happened
0: before we were born. That's not how that phrase works. <laughs> remember? <laughs> right? He's asking, do you remember <laughs> the actual, hey, yeah. remember the Napoleonic War? Yeah, yeah no, you don't. Because you were in the Napoleonic War. All right. All you right. this round, sir. Remember it from a book? Well, you you don't remember books either when they were invented.
1: (laughs) Doogie's being very dismissive at this point in time. He's kind of like, well, yeah, I mean... That feels like a harsh verdict, but really, like, what are you gonna do? Well, he tries
0: know? to he tries to talk about, you know, well, if they had gone, if they would pursued a different avenue of justice, this, that, and right? The other. If the
1: prosecutors had brought these charges, maybe. did yeah, you da-da-da. mentioned the
0: fact that the the trial was moved to Simi Valley. I remember that being a huge, you know, boon for the the LA boon for the LAPD, um, because it did mean that you know the jury would be primarily white people who were yeah. not involved in the specific community. It was. One of the things that seemed to be indicative of a lack of true justice in this case um, was, oh, the system is already working. Like the actual setting for the trial is working in favor of the people on trial. Right. Part of the system. Nurse Curly, Curly Sue, McGillicuddy. uh, (laughs) Spaulding. Yeah. I think I said that. Yeah. says there's been uh, reports of unrest in South Central, and then one by one, every single doctor is called to the ER.
1: Yeah, we just hear the announcement system go berserk. Spalding to the ER stat, Doogie to the ER stat, Ray says, I better call home. Curly
0: to the ER. Um, (laughs) Even younger doctor.
1: (laughs) Curly had mentioned that they're-
0: Hauser MD to the ER.
1: (laughs) Lootings, beatings, people being pulled from their cars. Everyone rushes off to the emergency room except for Ray, who says, I better call home. Right. Doogie goes into the lobby of the ER which is chaos Mm -hmm. there's also a TV on that shows burning cars and it looks like a war zone and I don't know if the footage they use is actual news footage I I feel like it must be there is a lot of it in this episode there is a lot of cut to a TV playing the news footage I don't know if they felt like why would we try to recreate this in any way? Let's just put what actually happened out there I, in terms of exposition.
0: Sure. I mean, it's used as a device later on when Vinny's like, let's watch TV to these precocious children. And yeah. it's like, well, you're stupid. Don't yeah. turn on that TV. Um,
1: I'm going to mention the race of all the people that we meet in the yard ER because I, it seems important. Mm-hmm. Um, normally, I would just be like, then this person, it's a firefighter or whatever, but because they comment on each other's race sure. it feels important and also important to remember that doogie is like all the all the doctors and nurses are white except for the orderly raymond yeah a firefighter is the first person there we are encounter
0: shown some extras there are extras who are of various different races the main characters however are right white except for raymond
1: the people that we encounter in terms of the victims that we're going to mm. talk to are all people of color except for one really angry white guy um yeah. so there's a firefighter who's black who it was trying to he says he was trying to put out a fire and got hit in the head with a brick. And so Doogie's stitching him up when uh, another black a black woman with a rope line of children, comes Chekhov's in.
0: precocious children enter. <laughs> she
1: runs a daycare. The building next to them caught on fire. She's got second degree burns on her yeah. arm but she couldn't leave the kids there so she's brought them all with her to the hospital. Right, They're all holding onto a rope so they stay together. There are six of them, five of them black, one of them Asian. Right. This is important because the, there was a lot of conflict during the riots about yes. between Asian people and black it's
0: people. mentioned specifically Korean yeah. neighborhoods mm-hmm. and, and, and that. We'll get into that. Yeah. Uh, then, like a horrible living it thought a piece of shit. <laughs> he comes fucking Vinny with his camera. Vinny's With uh, this giant
1: camera. Jeez. Well I mean. Well, it's nineteen ninety two. But I'm, glad I'm glad just saying don't do. imagine he's holding his iPhone in front of his face. No, this is a rig.
0: He is he is <laughs> batting people out of the way <laughs> by turning. It's like a stooges uh, <laughs> right. uh pr- Pratfall thing. So Vinny's Doogie's best friend, Vinny, Vinny and Doogie. Vinny's. Doogie's real
1: name is Douglas. Maybe we should mention that. Nope. His real name's not Doogie.
0: Uh, it Doogie is. That. That's true. We don't have to call him Douglas, No, though. no, no. We never will. I feel like that's not. And it's, No one
1: knows who Douglas Hauser is.
0: Is he even an MD? He's a plumber. Yeah. He's got a doctorate in plumbing. Douglas Hauser. <laughs> plumber. Hey, sweet Douglas Hauser. <laughs> 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 I passed my pipe fitting exam when <laughs> I was six years old. <laughs> I designed the, the ergonomic plunger when I was a nine. <laughs> I got a perfect score of my P.O.O.P.'s. <laughs> Boops! I can't smell poop. <laughs> poop.
1: I knew what it was!
0: <laughs> Do you think Douglas Hauser thinks that everybody understands the, the ins and outs of the plumbing? The academic. He tries exams. to keep a
1: detached emotional distance from his work so he can do his job.
0: Wait a second. Are you trying to tell me this is my mom's toilet? <laughs> you plunge that shit. Literally plunged that shit. Do 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 do. Do do do
1: do. This is all trademark. TM, TM, TM. This is our idea. Yeah, nobody, nobody make Douglas Hauser Plumber. This is
0: our <laughs> Rebooting it. Rebooting it. <laughs> oh boy. No. One is plunging, but (laughs) re-pooping. He he sits down at a computer and types at the end of the episode, but then you just click, and there's actually no screen. Just like poop emojis. (laughs) it's It's just an empty husk of a monitor. And goes, Yeah, you did it, Douglas. <laughs> someday. Someday you'll be able to afford real computers. Like a tandy.
1: Um, okay. So like you said, Vinny is running around filming everything.
0: <laughs> and he's Vinny's story is that he wants to be a an auteur. He wants to be a filmmaker.
1: Right. That was such a thing in the nineties. People wanting to be auteurs.
0: Dawson's fucking whole Creek. Dawson's Creek. Yep.
1: Yeah. So he's narrating the chaos and he's he, just as he is saying that under all of this activity is a bedrock of calm. A man runs by in a lab coat and shouts, we're moving to mass casualty plan level two. All elective surgeries canceled. All ambulatory patients sent to student health. Everybody stays. till so the job is done. This
0: is the head of the hospital. Yeah. This so we are boss. in
1: crisis mode now. Like, yeah. lock it all down. And then Vin- he is trying to film Doogie stitching up this firefighter when Doogie tells him to make himself useful and take all the daycare kids up to the pediatric lounge on the fifth floor, which is actually a really good idea because their teacher needs to be treated for our burns. And Vinny sort of grudgingly agrees and the kids follow him to the elevator.
0: And and just a quick note, because we often have to translate things from their 90s relevance to today's actual uh, lexicon. They go to crisis, what was it? Crisis level?
1: Uh, he says casualty plan level two.
0: Casualty plan level two, which by today's standard is threat level midnight.
1: Yes, exactly. So, okay, so one of the kids does not get off the elevator,
0: and uh, then he loses yeah, him. Yeah, he's really fucking... And he panics. Uh, yeah. So, he,
1: Actually, this is kind of a funny bit say, of physical comedy.
0: <laughs> first of all, Doogie says to take the kids to the pediatric lounge, which sounds like a feature on an old Pan Am double-decker airplane. Mm-hmm. And I can just picture little fucking toddlers with the uh, scotch. Tiny milk martinis. Little tumblers of baby scotch. Mm-hmm. When the kids seem nervous to go with a stranger, the teacher does say, it's all right, go with the little man. Yeah,
1: and then he <laughs> says, everybody's shorter than me. Come on. Just fantastic. Yeah, Max Casella. He's a good actor. I recently saw him in Late Night. Still a very good actor. He's great. He's yeah. in
0: My Cousin Vinny. He's, he He's pops up actor. all over the place. Yep. I love him.
1: Um, he's probably another inspiration for your vaguely Italian. Probably. And then Tony Danza. So one of the kids, they get on the elevator, and they ask him if he's a doctor, and he says, "We listen to doctors? And they said, yeah. And so he's like, all right, I'm a doctor. And then
0: a worried girl is like, are we going to get a shot? And he's like, I don't know, we'll see.
1: Yeah, keep him in line. So then one of the kids, James, uh, does not get off the elevator, and Vinny loses him, and he panics. And then he tells the other kids to hold hands and follow him, and they run down the stairs to the fourth floor, and they miss him, and down the stairs to the third floor, and they miss him. And this bit of physical comedy continues until they finally catch him on the first floor. It's like our this is our adorable B plot, yeah. Vinny, Vinny and the kids.
0: It'll, it'll turn serious, B-b-b-b- but we are. Vinny
1: and the kids.
0: Vinny! <laughs> <laughs> Vinny and the kids. I'm okay. So we go back to the ER, and a guy who isn't nearly hurt enough is complaining about not being seen. So he and and is told that uh, they have more important things. So he tries an old trick called being racist.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's holding his arm. He's wearing a flannel shirt and a trucker hat. He is white. He is uh, harassing Curly, the nurse, demanding to be seen. He says, I hurt myself working. She's like, there aren't enough doctors to go around. You can see where it's Bedlam. And he barks that he hurt himself working, not looting or rioting or acting like an animal. Let them kill each other if they want to. He's white and he demands respect. I'm
0: white and I'm clumsy. I demand (laughs) to see a doctor. I hurt myself working. That's the worst.
1: Working. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I hurt myself, though. (laughs) Exactly. And he's fine. Like, he's just
1: kind of holding his arm. Like, maybe he broke his arm or something. You will live until they get all the people who've been shot through the ER, sir. So she just kind of rolls her eyes at him and she's like, Yeah, I hear you, but I just don't, I can't be bothered to, like, care about your situation, basically. She blows him off. And then we have more patients to be seen, including this is, like, a weird series
0: of events. Which, with the, well, the black victim? No, the black... first it's a
1: Hispanic guy who says he's he's been beaten up
0: oh, sure. by the
1: black employees of a car wash that he'd never had trouble with before. Yeah. So then we have a black guy being stitched up whose name turns out to be Thomas. Oh. And Ray finds out that he's been looting electronics under his coat. Yes. So it's sort of like we have a white guy being like, they're out there treating each other like animals.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: we hear... Black people beat me up, and here's a black guy who's looting. And I understand that it was people of color involved oh, in the thing, sure. but I'm just sort of like, oh, okay, because the only Asian people that we will see are victims. It's it's an odd choice. I don't know what the real life I, ratio was. I don't was. think
0: that they 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 thought that one through. But then, that's the thing is like
1: it. the optics of it catch my eye now. Well, sure. I think that's they a little unbalanced. I,
0: I get it. No, I understand. Like if you if you run it through that way, sure. Absolutely, but I think it's supposed to be. Look at this fucking racist guy. All right, let's let's you know let's yeah. get to the real the the people who are actually hurt. hurt. Yeah. Instead of it being like this white guy is about to foresee the the future of the rest of this episode, right. I don't think it's meant to be that way. It's maybe we can just chalk it up to one of the very misguided things this episode yeah. does. So Raymond is called over to help out this black patient who's Thomas. yeah? Thomas. Yeah. Thomas. Who, the first thing he does is notice these bulky fucking 1990s Walkmen. And watches. And watches, I'm assuming, of the Swatch variety in his coat. And, you know, they have a discussion about... He
1: kind of goes off on him.
0: He does go off on him. The other guy really stands his ground. It turns into a, it's your community versus, well, we don't own those stores. The money goes from outward. And it's just... Don't blow up your community versus, but I want to riot. Well, yeah, he's... Well, well, barely exploring the... the intricacies of, of the ideas therein.
1: Right. He says you're robbing your own people and the kids, like, those, these are from Korean stores. He's specifically like, yeah. he's not like, not just whatever. These
0: aren't stores that we own in our community. This
1: isn't Walmart. This isn't even like a big box store. Yeah. These are stores owned by Korean people. And then he says, Ray says, that's your community. And he says, if it's my community, where does the money go? This has been a long time coming. If you hold people down long enough, they're going to fight back. And Ray says, you're not fighting back, you're just stealing. Yeah. And Doogie is overhearing all of this. And then Ray says, look around you. Look at who's getting hurt by this. You see any millionaires? You see any of those jurors? You're better than this. Like, salient points on both sides. There's
0: salient points on both sides. But let's talk about this. We'll get to what Doogie tells Raymond here in a second. Because that seems to be his arc through this episode rests in this next line. But you talked about the optics of having somebody... Because we wanted to see... Well, there's racism involved here, and then we also wanted to see somebody who is a victim being attacked by his own friends, and then we wanted to see somebody who is pretending to be hurt and they hurt themselves, rioting. This right. this is the looting. series of yeah. looting, uh, excuse me, yes, looting specifically, the optics of which are not great. We've talked about on this podcast time and time again that one of the most hilariously misguided thing on most of these episodes is that they only have 30 minutes to tackle a very tough issue. Right. This is too tough an issue. Yeah. and, and By and, far. And when they start breaking it down into only a, a percentage of what's really... Going on here and the intricate, the and how, sub issues. how far issues, back it
1: goes. Yes. Yeah.
0: It all becomes starkly like, we only have a couple seconds to talk about this issue. It all folds under the weight of what's actually happening here. Yeah. And you end up, the misguided nature of this ends up being, yes, these are all definitely issues and we talked about them, but how's Dookie doing?
1: There's also a thing of like, you have a black guy and another black guy talking about like we both live in this place, this is, our, this is our community, these are our people. And I thought to myself, is it better to have Ray delivering these lines, you're robbing from your own people, you're better than this, as opposed to some sort of like older white male doctor giving a lecture? But then I thought, but it's an older white TV writer that wrote all these lines yeah. and put them in Ray's mouth, so it's still that guy's perspective.
0: It's just, it's Unless not...
1: Unless they told that actor... You go ham on that improv, you know buddy.
0: Here's the thing. We're going to do a little exercise. He's got Walkman. Go.
1: I mean, I'm assuming this guy's white. I tried to look him up. He's written on a bunch of TV shows. Sure. I can't find a picture of him anywhere.
0: Steve Botchko, David E. Kelly, both white. Yeah. Uh, if ooh. I
1: if he if he turns out not to be white, then mea culpa. But sure. I assume because of the period of time we're talking about
0: yeah.
1: um, and the level of seniority that is still... And to this day, you know, the senior writers are mostly older white guys in all the rooms. Then,
0: yeah. I think that by its very nature of television, we need to see a main character who we've been exploring for however long the series has been on TV grow and change based on the events around him or her. Right. Unfortunately, when your main character is a 18-year-old white boy, uh, white man from an affluent family who has a high paying job and, you know, is Princeton educated. It just, you can try to make the events surrounding that main character meaningful and nuanced and things like that. But in the end, your show is going to be about what, happened to that character in the LA riots.
1: Yeah. I mean, this whole episode is basically the Supreme ordeal. And we've said that before in a joking way, Mm. but truly as I was looking over my notes, I was like, Oh, it's hard for me to parse out. Because once we cross the first threshold into the world of the hospital, it's there's a short lull, but once people start coming in, it is yeah. just life or death stakes the entire time. Well,
0: here's what I, I would say, instead of it being more of an outward journey, I think the next line that Doogie Howser has when he pulls Raymond away from this guy, he says, you can't let go of your emotions. You have to stay professional and detached. And Raymond says, how yeah. can you do that? You know, it might be easy for you, but I have to keep calling to see if my my house is burning down
1: right says, And I think
0: that is the the journey that doogie hauser is on is yeah. are there things that are big enough to affect you and what do you do with those emotions in a professional setting
1: and doogie is kind of dumbstruck by this he says he, he says you can't lecture the patients you got to focus and then ray's like yeah you don't understand at all what i'm what's happening yeah. to me right now and doogie says nothing and Ray storms off and Doogie is almost immediately pulled back into triage. Sure. But he does come up short in that moment. Like this is the second time he's been like, I understand what you're yeah. doing. And Ray's been like, you don't though. Yeah. You never do, and especially today you don't. Right. So for some levity, we cut back upstairs oh, oh to boy. the pediatrics lounge.
0: Yeah, we're into act two and it is Vinny, he's really going for it, reading a story. His the accent and the mannerisms he uses really He looks like a cartoon Italian rat found a human suit like in Pixar's Silence of the Lambs.
1: So Vinny is reading to the kids until he realizes one of them has his video camera and is filming him. And then they struggle over the camera and all the kids laugh.
0: Okay. And did you see? Did you see when they click to some of these kids? Yeah, these kids, by the way, are mildly out of control. (laughs) Uh, One of them has a puppet. And here's... Yes. (laughs) Here's here's the order of realizations (laughs) I had about this puppet.
1: It has cancer.
0: Hold on. No, that comes up. Hold on. Realization one. That puppet's as big as he is. Realization two, that puppet definitely comes alive at night and murders people because of a voodoo curse. Realization three, does that puppet have cancer? Yeah. Realization four, that is a cancer voodoo murder puppet. (laughs) Which is my favorite ska band <laughs> from the nineties, <90s. laughs> cancer voodoo murder puppet.
1: Oh my god! Yeah, that that puppet probably is to teach kids about <laughs> it's cancer. But
0: <laughs> it's not. No, not like because it's not horrifying because it has cancer. Just the proportion. It is enormous. It is larger than the child who is <laughs> operating it. And it seems it's confusing to see who's controlling who in that moment. Yeah. But also, voodoo curse.
1: So, unable to placate the kids with voodoo curses or life-size
0: puppets... um, And what's more placating than voodoo (laughs) curses?
1: Vinny turns on the TV, which of course doesn't have Netflix or a thousand channels, so every channel he turns to is rioting and burning houses. And the kids, being curious kids, are naturally like, What's going on? Why is the
0: world on fire? And Vinny's
1: like, Oh, nothing to see here! And turns the TV off. But the kids aren't dumb. They have questions and... There was a fire next to their school. It's why they're here.
0: They might know something. They've already lived through
1: a fire today. They're talking about, they heard during the fire, they heard yelling and shooting. And one girl says that her dad told her there would be, she says, Wyatt. Mm -hmm. There will be a Wyatt. Because some cops were bad. So now (laughs) the kids want to know what a Wyatt is, in addition to why everything's on fire. Vinny decides he's gonna explain the whole situation. He's
0: gonna he's gonna <laughs> break down racism for these kids. He's
1: like, it's complicated, so listen up. And I wrote, Oh God. Yeah. Um, but it's a good expository device, and it actually in terms of like what the episode gets right, I feel like his struggle to figure out how far back to start this story is mm-hmm. one of the things that gets right. So yeah, he absolutely. goes He goes, Okay, there's a man named Rodney King. Now I'm gonna have to go back further than this. Okay. Martin Luther King. No. No, okay. And then he pulls up a stool and he goes, once upon a time, there was a guy called Kunta Kinte. Yeah. And it's actually, I think it's a well-handled bit of writing because it rightly relates all this unrest back to slavery, but in a way that movie-obsessed Vinny would sure. think about
0: slavery. It is smart. Would be roots. Yeah. It also is a great opportunity for this episode to look at itself and go, wait a second. <laughs> we can't even keep a character... <laughs> Well, our character is looking at our own episode <laughs> as though Alice threw the looking glass and being like, this is too much looking glass. There's too much looking glass here. Why the rabbit got to be white? <laughs> uh, There's so, too much looking glass here. too much looking glass here. Over glass. The character himself is pointing out like the main issue, which would be a wonderful issue to discuss, what a great thing to to, to throw at, at Doogie Hauser. Like I understand, you couldn't possibly understand. Right? You don't remember the nineteen. You don't remember the Watts riots because you weren't there. Hey, man, fuck you! <laughs> right. It's not about being there. It's about the history culminating an event that you cannot ignore. It, it, you're right. It is a good bit of writing. It just. It's too Mm self-referential to overlook. Um, So we go back to the ER and a pregnant lady has been shot. Yeah. Now
1: we're approaching the inmost cave um, as such as Mm -hmm. it is a pregnant Asian woman. Mm -hmm. She says she's due in two weeks. She's been shot in the abdomen. She's panicking for herself for the baby. Doogie calls for a fetal monitor and he and Ray are back in team mode working through this crisis, even though they haven't made up, you know, but it's, this is overwhelming and we got to work side by side and Doogie needs to call the OBGYN because he realizes pretty quickly they're going to have to do a cesarean on this woman. But he needs someone to physically put their hands on this woman's wound and staunch the bleeding so he can go call the doctor and explain what's going on. And he starts yelling that he needs someone... But all the medical personnel are engaged. They do a pan around the room. Yep. Everyone's doing something. And then Thomas, the kid who was looting, yep. jumps up and says, I can do it.
0: And so he puts on some gloves and he does it. And he does 5% of comforting. No. Hold on.
1: He does good. He
0: does very well. My
1: heart melted and It this was moment. great.
0: I'm not making fun of him. What they should have done was with this shot. So, okay, let's go through it.
1: Well, this is, yeah, this is a guy who just moments ago, last time we saw him, was like was
0: railing against Korean you know, people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So he, he says that everything's going to be fine, that this doctor is great. You don't have to worry about it. And she's worried about her baby, and he says, do you have any names picked out? Which is great. Yeah. That's wonderful. But then they just sort of like linger on it, and he just sort of like looks around uncomfortably like, (laughs) I've run out of things to talk about. I mentioned the doctor, asked if you have any names. You're really not pulling your weight in this conversation, shot in the stomach lady. Uh, what else? That weather, huh? Uh, come on, Thomas, God. get it together.
1: <laughs> I liked this moment because it was this simple human, like you may not be a doctor, but in these moments
0: It's a good moment of everyone connection. can do something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, and all you
0: need to do is step up in order to help exactly. that whole thing. So we go back to the pedi- yeah, pediatric to lounge this. or the <laughs> PL, a new series where well-to-do toddlers coming soon to the CW.
1: I called it Systematic Racial Oppression for Children, the lecture series. <laughs> also
0: that, if you're not going to concentrate on how fun the, pa- the pediatric lounge sounds, I guess you could get back to the meat of the issue. Um, okay, so Vinny finishes his talk about racism and then the teacher comes in and asks, where are the other kids? And for a second, I think this episode is going to get nuts! <laughs> I am like, my stomach literally dropped. I was like, oh, fuck! <laughs> He just, like, lost either... Five of the six kids. Either he lost five of the six kids, or this lady was way fucked up when she came in, and she only brought six of the 12 kids she had under her care. Either way, I was super psyched about where this episode was going to go. And then she's like, did the parents pick him up? And he's like, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. It's late at night by this point. And there was a thing when she came in of talking about how she was going to have to call the parents. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the only kid left is uh, James The one that previously stayed on the elevator When he shouldn't have And he's asking a bunch of questions And again, Vinny is the only person Really grappling with the deeper issues of the show Because he says, you know His conclusion is It seemed that there was one set of rules for white people And one set of rules for everyone else Mm. Which made people mad and they broke things And James says So the people breaking things are bad And Vinny's like, yes Well, no Mm-hmm. Well, it's complicated yeah. And it's like, okay, cool Poor Vinny is like every writer in the writer's room Like, what are we gonna, how do we come down on this? What are we gonna do? Well, I just have Vinny be confused about it
0: Alright, is it too late to make this kid mute? <laughs> Alright, well, they're gonna be asking a lot of questions Here's the thing get rid of five of those
1: kids. (laughs) Right. I don't care how you do it. (laughs) Just the one
0: kid. (laughs) So uh, the teacher's like, I'm taking this kid home because his mother's working late. And he's like, who would be working late? And she's like, his mom's a cop. Or she could be a doctor. You're, you know, your friends are here still. Or a shitty auteur fucking (laughs) filmmaker. (laughs) Can't mind his own goddamn business.
1: But she does thank him for keeping the kids safe and somewhat entertained. Although I'm sure all the parents were like, I'm sorry, who told you what when they got home? Kunta Kinte. <laughs> Wait a second. Wait.
0: A doctor told you this. <laughs> you know that's not a real person. He threatened to give you a shot. <laughs> uh, there's a lingering shot on Vinny. Yeah. Fucking yeah, so lingering conflicted. white just so white people movie. shots. You gotta love them. It's like <laughs> Vinny, what? like
1: in the throes of white privilege <laughs> confrontation. <laughs> the likes of which Doogie has never seen. He's he's up on the Truly. fifth floor, like, what is my life? Yeah. Yeah. So now it's what actually. Do I film now? Weirdly. After all of this chaos and drama and high stakes, now is kind of the supreme ordeal. Yeah. It's quiet back downstairs. It's, we learn a little bit later, it's about 36 hours later. Mm -hmm. Doogie is soaked in sweat. He's not wearing a lab coat. His scrubs are bloody. And he is walking through the halls and he encounters Thomas. Thomas has been released but he stays he has stayed this all this time to ask Doogie about the health of the woman and the baby mm-hmm. uh, both of whom lived though the baby was shot and had to be delivered by C-section and Thomas says that kid was shot before he was even born
0: yep and then they are standing next to a gurney with all of Thomas's mm-hmm. ill-gotten goods <laughs> yeah. piled up on it. Pirate. We don't need
1: every gurney in this hospital today. What? <laughs> we couldn't put that on a filing cabinet. Why is, it,
0: why is it there, man? It's just weird. It's just oddly. Yeah, it's all the stuff like, he both, looted. Both characters enter the scene. So it's just like, hey, I'm glad I ran into <laughs> you here next to next my loot. To the stuff that I <laughs> next, stole. Next to my tiny stash. Speaking uh, of
1: Koreans, how's that lady? Yeah. Oh, do you want
0: Um, walk Walkman? Walkman, am I right? (laughs) Do you have any names picked out? I don't understand how comforting people works. But he looks at his ill-gotten gains and then walks away. Leaves them behind. Doogie and Raymond share a moment. Yeah, smiling uh, at each other a little tentatively. Which is not enough, but it's fine.
1: No. Yeah, and then we have reward consequences. And because this isn't a straight-up sitcom sitcom,
0: Mm.
1: I assume that they... We'll talk about this in the future. They'll have to mend their relationship a little bit going forward, maybe. It won't just be like, very next episode, clean slate. Maybe will.
0: I think it might be.
1: But now we have the reward consequences. Lots of phone calls. Um, We're just cutting between people on the phone saying, Mm. I just worked 36 hours. Yes, I'm okay to drive home. Nurse Curly says to presumably one of her parents, no, I'm not going to move back to Portland. This is my home. It's not going to be like this forever. And then the, we cut to TV news that says that a tentative calm has fallen over the city of Angels. No new fires have been reported for a few hours. So this is probably like May 1st after curfews have been enforced and the National Guard's been called in. And Doogie's dad shows up at the hospital to bring him home in street clothes. And that's the part where I yelled. What the fuck? Why were you not working? <laughs> you're a
0: doctor. He, he runs. Have a, you just
1: been chilling at the house? He
0: runs a private uh, practice. And this, this is an all okay. hands on
1: deck situation. You
0: just you just taking doctors out of out of wherever.
1: Fucking Steve Bushimi. Went to a fire station yo, after nine eleven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He hadn't been a firefighter for years.
0: Yo, as soon Jumped as Jumped on a
1: truck and ladder.
0: I, I, I know this story, and I appreciate Steve Buscemi for everything he's done <laughs> in and out of fictional roles. But on the day they make volunteer doctors, <laughs> then yes, by all means, complain about the lack of people just throwing in. He's a doctor. But that's not how doctorism works. That's how it worked on ER. That's not how it worked on ER.
1: All those guys came in from the other hospital that they didn't like to help out at the hospital with the chopper. You remember. I
0: do. They were They were, They were. were on a fishing trip. The international episode.
1: Yes, the international episode. Look,
0: I just don't think that you can call in some random doctor into an ER. Or, no, I'm sorry. That's not what you're saying. I don't think that you should expect some random doctor to show up to an ER to help out.
1: He doesn't have to have been at an ER. He could have been somewhere else. He
0: might have been somewhere else.
1: He's wearing street clothes. He doesn't look tired. I think he's been chilling. Do you think he? <laughs> I think he's been at the house. Chelsea. Fucking chilling out.
0: Do you think he started the riots? <laughs> Do you think Doogie's death started the riots, Yeah, Chelsea? he just
1: threw a brick and then got in his car and sped away. Well, better
0: go back and sit <laughs> on my barca lounger. watch episodes of L.A. Law. Um, so... Yes, so we go back to this mysterious where in the world is Doogie Hauser? Yep. Flash forward... And
1: it's him, again, addressing the camera direct address. We don't have the context still. And he says, as a doctor, I'm trained to keep an emotional distance in order to do my job. But when I learned what I learned from Raymond that night was that some things are so big, so overwhelming that you have to get involved. And then he does the John Donne quote about no man is an island. Do not ask for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. And then he kind of smirks because Raymond comes up behind him and he says, but the bell tolls a little bit louder for some people than others, which is just a real clunky way to incorporate uh... that quote into this TV interview. It's, it's a little
0: threatening. Yeah. Most it's like babe Don't worry about me. I'll be it's fine. Like some
1: people live under the constant specter of death. Mm-hmm. Not me, but some people. Right. My friend Raymond. Oh, my gosh. It's real weird. I
0: think what the reason I wrote UGG is he's like, it's like that John Dunn thing. And the interviewer's like, what? And he's like, you know, John Dunn and like prattles off. And it's like, we're not all fucking super geniuses, yeah. jerk.
1: <laughs> right. No one's going around quoting John Dunn for the local TV news because that's what it turns out to be the local TV. TV News yes. is interviewing Doogie on the site of a community cleanup where he's helping Raymond and some other volunteers in South Central presumably. And then the announcers, the TV newscaster says rebuilding efforts are continuing all over the city with the help of these volunteers. A city in transition. A city
0: of hope. Yeah, so we would learn we would seem to think that Doogie Hauser has learned from this episode that some things are too big to be emotionally withdrawn from uh, and that's is the end of the lesson.
1: This ending, if this were the end of it, said one thing to me, and mm. then the tag said something else. Me too. So this ending makes me think super white saviorism. Yes. Super like, I can't stay out of it. I'm a doctor i i have to jump in and help wherever anything's needed even if i don't understand truly what's going on like at, i i have it within me to engage you know at
0: worst it's that i tried to gussy this up and the best i could come up with was okay sure you feel emotional about the situation well then you need to pitch in extra hard
1: right unfortunately i, I need him to at some point admit he doesn't understand what raymond's talking that's about.
0: why i have so much to say about this tag because this is the opportunity to say something right. and then he does not
1: or the opportunity is in the moment where thomas instead of just like a weird smile half smile where thomas mm. walks away for him to go over and be like ray i'm sorry
0: My, i'm i, I don't I understand apologize. which is something that an episode of south park did Better than than anything I've ever seen, where there is a main conflict between Stan and the black character on the show whose name is Token. These issues keep coming up, and Stan is like, I understand. And Token's like, no, you don't. Fuck off. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, Stan finally goes up to him and says, I understand. I don't understand. Yeah. I will never understand. Right. This issue is beyond any of my understanding, and I am sorry. I'm doing my best, but I don't understand. Like that, that thing that fucking South Park did would be great if he just went up and he was like, listen, I understand the concepts of injustice. I understand what this appears to be, but there's no way I can understand living through something like this. I don't
1: have the lived experience and I never will.
0: So let's uh, talk about this tag. So every episode ends with Doogie. On his computer, typing in two to maybe three sentences to sum up everything that he's learned in the episode. Right, on his
1: computer journal.
0: And computer not journal. Not a blog,
1: because it's not a thing yet. Not
0: yet. Just
1: keeping I mean, all this on his own personal hard drive.
0: Hollywood.com is very new.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Doogie. Doogie.
0: <laughs> Creedthoughts.com.
1: Somebody, somebody <laughs> took D. Hauser. Who's
0: Douglas Hauser? It's me. I've got a lot of thoughts on plumbing. <laughs> In conjunction with hollywood.com. Well, I just put oh, a, it's me back from the editing room floor. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just put a counter up. up through the pipes. Putting a counter on the bottom of the page. It's one, because only Miles has visited this page. DouglasHouseOfPlumbing.com.
1: So, Jesus fucking Christ. So Doogie is typing mm. a quote into his computer sure. journal. And the quote is, A riot is at... The- at bottom, the language of the unheard. And he attributes the quote to Martin Luther King Jr. Um, And then he types. He doesn't say, but he types. I've been taught the best way to learn a language is to try and speak it. But this time, I'd better just shut up and listen. Which is a (laughs) salient point you could have articulated to the black guy that you were arguing with through the
0: entire episode. Also, he, it's a it's a misquote of Martin oh, Luther King. He cool. gets the quote wrong. Cool, cool, cool. And number dude. two, I've got the full quote here. And when I read it to you, you'd be even more exasperated. Uh. Because the rest of the quote, it might as well be like, hey, shut the fuck up, white kid. This quote is from a speech that's often attributed to a a speech at Stanford University in 1967. It originally appeared in an interview with Mike Wallace on CBS in the previous year. So 1966 from the Stanford speech. Uh, And again, I'm quoting Martin Luther King here. I'm going to use his original language. I think America must see that riots do not develop out of thin air. Certain conditions continue to exist in our society which must be condemned as vigorously as we condemn riots. But in the final analysis, a riot is the language of the unheard. And what is it that America has failed to hear? It has failed to hear that the plight of the Negro poor has worsened over the last few years, it has failed to hear that the promises of freedom and justice have not been met. And it has failed to hear that large segments of white society are more concerned about tranquility and the status quo than about justice, equality, and humanity.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, And then I like this. That's a great place to end it, but I like this line. And so, in a real sense, our nation's summers of riots are caused by our nation's winter of delay. So, yeah, the two lines later, it's like you're... One of the reasons that riots are up is because people are concentrating on keeping things the same and believing that everything's fine.
1: Right. And then they erupt and people who don't have the context who are usually adding to the underlying culture of unrest through dismissiveness or ignorance or, or Mm. just plain not paying attention are suddenly like, where did this come from? These people are acting like animals to quote that one character. And it's like, Oh yeah, it must look like that. If you just tuned in today.
0: In essence, this is the problem that I have with the episode, is that, I mean, the the Vinny thing, the looking glass stuff, that's just what we talked about here, but it always seems like this episode knows better yeah. than what it's doing. Like, it knows that it should be smarter than this, mm-hmm. that it shouldn't be tackling this in a we're covering all of the issues kind of a way. Like, right. at best, you can show one person becoming aware of a problem. That would be a great start. Right. That would be a useful tool to show ignorance because it's that's what the, in essence what this series is about. It's about a kid who's super smart but doesn't have wisdom. Right. Gaining wisdom through human experience in real time. So yeah. what better thing to do than be like this kid's super smart, he can quote this that and the other, but he will never be able to learn this experience.
1: There's no way for him to ever learn it. So the mm. goal is not that he learns it. The goal is that he realizes someone else has some knowledge that I will never have. Yeah. And I need to stop dismissing it when they say things about you know when they talk about it. Oh, and keep being like I totally understand. Well, but but I get it. You know, like cerebrally I no. get it. I this there's, there's an amazing thing someone reposted the other day, and I'm I don't have the the source to attribute it to, so I'm just I'm just gonna sort of liberally quote, but this woman was saying, a white woman was saying, people ask me, like, as a fellow white person, how can I know get to know more about, like, the discussions that are happening inside these communities and, like, what they need from the allies, and she was like, follow 50 people of color on Instagram, read the comments, don't post anything, and that is how you will catch up unless someone deliberately specifically calls you out by name don't jump in just read that's where this episode sort of like aims but they don't get yeah, there in I any meaningful way
0: I disagree I, I feel like the episode's aiming in that sort of misguided way of we can talk about all of the issues of this special issue in 30 minutes mm-hmm. we can do it you know this character he'll he'll go from here to there and then That's it. I think that it was a misguided attempt. Mm -hmm. It feels like it anyway, because there's no... Well, I yeah, it just doesn't feel like there's enough of... Like, yes, Doogie ends with, like, I better sit down and listen. But it's like, it's...
1: Oh, what a great time it would have been to do that thing that sitcoms sometimes do. Where it's suddenly like, oh, now we're following a minor character for this whole episode. And it's their episode instead of the protagonist. Yeah. It was a season four opener, so they had to come back in a big way. You know, the... Season 4 premiere. What if it had suddenly been like Raymond's Day that day or sure. something?
0: You Maybe. Know? Chelsea, if you are going to show an episode of television concerning the LA riots to a bunch of kids today, do you show yeah. them this episode of Doogie Hauser?
1: No. I think... I want to show them the first episode of the O.J. American Crime Story.
0: Yeah, it's actually pretty good.
1: Which really goes into the L.A. riots because you have to understand them to understand the O.J. trial.
0: They do. That's their whole like, not a pro. Yeah, prologue. Yeah. Is is the L.A. riots, and it's a very smart thing to do. And it it's really very is. It well really explored. puts it in context. And also to show them that Cuba Gooding Junior. is not done.
1: No, no.
0: Forget your snow dogs and uh, boat. Trips.
1: Everybody's coming on of mothballs in that show. Uh, fucking John Travolta.
0: Boy. Fucking
1: uh, uh, what's David Swimmer. Doing the best work in the, of his life. I'm
0: trying to make the Kardashians <laughs> seem like good people. I don't know what that accent is. It's my no, Armenian and Italian.
1: Nothing. <laughs> well, was
0: I'm it a, a goldfish. Like, I was going to say, life. You're, a,
1: you're a fish. You're a guppy. Hello?
0: It's me, David Swimmer. <laughs> Oh, unintentional. Unintentional, but great. Uh. Chelsea, uh, who did you want to hug in this thing?
1: Mishigosh. Um, This is going to sound dumb of me because it's clearly who the episode wanted me to want to hug. But I want to hug Thomas when he has to stand there and hold his hands on that pregnant woman and just be like, you're gonna be okay. I do, you, I got any names picked out, like he's really doing his best, and I felt for him in that moment.
0: Oh, you know who I want to hug? Douglas Howes, <laughs> plumber. <laughs> I'm doing my best. I'm overshadowed by uh, by my, my, distant, my, cousin my Doogie. distant cousin, distant cousin Doogie Less <laughs> is his full name. Uh, I don't want to hug anybody in this, it's kind of a mess of an episode, and it feels mm. weird wanting to hug anybody. I guess Curly.
1: She's not moving back to Portland. She's gonna stick it out.
0: She is. This is her home now. Get off my back, Dad. What a hard left turn I'm about to make. Guess what's coming up. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the specter of the LA riots <laughs> If that's not Scary enough for you no, nope.
1: What is coming up is 2019 Click or Treat like a tree. Which is our I guess now Annual membership drive yeah. Um. So the next two episodes Will be our Halloween episodes We will be watching some spooky Very special episodes of TV
0: And we will be talking about Something that you could possibly win Definitely tune in over the next couple Of weeks and listen to some spooky episodes. Yep. With some spooky doings. Yep.
1: Extra snacks, which is always exciting because it is the season to be snacking.
0: Extra snacks, extra spooks.
1: Um, And details about how you can get cool stuff, how yep. you can win a big box of cool stuff. Big box
0: of cool stuff. Um,
1: all of that goodness is coming up in Click or Treat the last two weeks of October, starting with our very next episode.
0: And Chelsea, what are we going to watch on our very next episode?
1: I'm very excited, of course. To tell you that the very next episode is one of my so called life. Huh. Uh, the episode Halloween. Aptly
0: titled. Yes.
1: So check that out if you want to be up with us when we come back next week.
0: Absolutely. It's season one, episode nine, and you can watch it on a thing where places are found.
1: You can watch all of my so called life on Amazon Prime Video.
0: So get on that now. Yeah. Uh, go watch it, and we will see you next time.
1: Bring snacks. Bye. Bye. <laughs>